Harrison Price for Monday, November 6, 2023. Coming to you from the Go Go Sports Studio built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. And if you're planning a holiday party, 55,000 square feet of striking indoor and outdoor space here at the Wall Center. Give them a call, 604-893-7370. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price, Grace Sass, hitting switches, conducting things. This show, a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. We're right now at Applewood Infinity in the Richmond Auto Mall. The QX50 finance from 0%. The Q50 finance from 1.99% plus... And listen up, Price. No charge winter tires oh, on select trims. Beautiful. At Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Surrey, Applewood Nissan Richmond. Huge stock of EVs. The Leaf rates from 5.99%. The Rogue finance from 3.99%. Plus, they got a GM 2023 Silverado 1500 from 0.99%. And they're overstocked on Ford F-150s. Rates from 1.99%. Up to $10,000 because it's all good at Applewood. Our poll question today, what is closer to the truth about the Canucks? Hot streak? They're really good. You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. And we are digesting another Vancouver Canucks victory on Saturday night. 2 nothing yeah. over the Dallas Stars. This is one of better teams in the Western Conference, a team that a lot of people have going to the Conference Final or going to the Final. Of course, made the Conference Final last year. Lost to Vegas. Vancouver now 8-2-1. and one. The 773 points percentage is third in the league. The plus 26 goal differential is first in the league. Their 30% power play is fourth in the league. And they have points in seven straight games for the first time since December 6th to 29, 2021. You may remember that was the seven straight wins that launched us. Bruce, there it is. They're six points up on a playoff spot right now. And with a victory over the Edmonton Oilers Monday, could move 14 points ahead of a team that a lot of people had as their Stanley Cup champion or Western Conference winner this year. A uh, a team that's in danger of losing the season series to the Canucks already. Mm-hmm. Now, the Canucks are rolling like thunder right now. Um, everything is going their, right, their way, and they are now past what I would deem a hot streak. To me, hot streaks are six to eight games. When they start to get past double digits, um, it's more than just a hot streak. Now, that's not to say, oh, this is just going to be their pace throughout the entire season. No, I'm not suggesting that they're going to be 48 games above 500. That's not what I'm suggesting. But you need to be 12 to 14 games above 500 to make the playoffs. They are almost halfway to that point. Or if you think that 92 points gets you there, 94 points gets you there, they are halfway to that point, which means they only need to be six games above 500 the rest of the way. That means effectively being like a 500 team. It means every month you're like one game above 500 the rest of the way, and they make the playoffs. They need to be decent the rest of the way after this start. And I think if you just said be a mediocre team the rest of the way, they'd say, yeah, we can do that. I agree with you that 11 games is a large sample for a streak. 
But I would also argue that 11 games is not a big enough sample for the really good team. No. So I voted hot streak because 11 games does not a season make. All that said, I mean, what you just said about where they have to go from from here in the final five months of the season applies. The players and coaches here deserve tremendous credit. I think you can already argue that they are um, the team is a, a greater sum than its parts because you look at the squad and it's two really good lines, a bottom six that has taken turns playing pretty well this year. I, I, I'm still not necessarily sure we're looking at a team that's going to have home ice advantage in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, but they've put themselves in position to do that. And I'm starting to get some vibes of that 2014-2015, was it 14-15 or 15-16, the Willie Desjardins season, where they were a 100-point team and landed in second place. Right, which was unexpected at the time. Where, yeah, very much so. Because remember, they had missed the playoffs the previous year. They had been early exits in the playoffs the two previous years before that. And then forged a fantastic season where a lot of things went well. I could see something like that this year based on the start. The only slippage I could see is that the guys on the blue line who have been pretty decent so far in Friedman and Myers, that maybe they slip. Because they've been well, the bottom, very event-free. The, the bottom two pairs are something that I will certainly keep my eye on. Also, how much help are you getting offensively from the bottom six? But they've only been getting, I don't know, I'd say the performance offensively from the bottom six has been a six out of ten, maybe a seven out of ten. Like They haven't been a story. Like It's not like they're like, oh, they're getting so much contribution from the bottom six. No, the Canucks are being flowed by their best players being their best players. That's the storyline. Well, that's the other thing, though, Blake, is are Pedersen and Hughes going to keep up this pace? History tells us probably not. They may may not, but you've got guys like Kuzmenko of Mardigif. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. So, uh, again, if they're ebbing and flowing like that, then... Maybe mm-hmm. you can. I mean, again, their their goals for is not going to be at this rate. They're not going to be. They, they've had five five goal performances in eleven games. I mean, and and twice flirted with double digits once they got there. So that's not going to happen in every eleven game swath. But those offensive totals are outliers. If they had won those games four to one, five to one, it still would have been equally as impressive. Um, the fact that they tacked wow. on five more is immaterial. They're the second best defensive team in hockey right now, giving up just two goals against per game. I think that is also going to come closer to the mean. But you have faith in Demko, though. I do. So you know, he's second in the league in save percentage right now. Is it crazy to say he finishes the mm-hmm. le- the year in the top four or five? No, it's I have faith in Demko. I, again, I don't necessarily have the most faith in the bottom two pairs. I need to see it over a longer period. Their penalty killing is still 19th in the league. Their shots against is 20th in the league. Their goal differential on high danger chances is still the best in the league, which means they're finishing theirs and their opponents aren't aren't doing likewise. Heck, even shots four, they're 27th in the league. So there, there are some metrics that are suggesting the team is not necessarily as good as what we see and yet forging this start gives you that cushion 
to be able to regress a little bit and still hold station or at the very least feel good about your station above the playoff bar. Now let's get into some of the particulars. Quinn uses the, what is the second star or the first star of the NHL week? He's first star. First star of the NHL week. After being blanked and having a pretty <laughs> average night the other night to finish off the week. I was hanging out with our friend Mike Allen of uh, Rona in North Vancouver yesterday at the Caps game, and that's one of the first things he said to me. He goes, how is it that like Hughes has a bad game by his standards, and he's still better than virtually everybody else on the ice? Yeah, that's... that's and by the way, Rona's doing their holiday party here at Wall Center, so thanks to Mike and the crew there at Rona. Elias Pettersson is up to 20 points on the season. He's tied with Jack Hughes for the league lead and the inactive Jack Hughes. Of course Jack Hughes is now hurt, so I suspect Elias as soon as this evening will pull into the lead. He is tied for second in club history in terms of the fewest games to get to 20 points. And this was a stunning stat to me because the guy he's tied with and the guy who did it one game quicker, so 20 points in 10 games. I know the two names, I think. Neither guy is a retired number. No. People have called for one of them. Right. Tony Tanti and Sundstrom? That's correct. Yeah. Sundstrom had 11 games, and they did it in back-to-back years in the high-flying 80s, Blake. Sundstrom did it in 11 games in 83. Tanti came back a year later and said, I'll do it in 10 games. And I think Sundstrom had a great start that year as well. The mm-hmm. two of them were launched out of a rocket that year and were alongside Wayne Gretzky at the time. That was just a good start. Mm -hmm. This team looks a little bit more sustainable. Then there's Demko. Fourth in the league in save percentage, 947. Fifth in goals against, 155. Tied for first in wins with six. His two shutouts also tied for first. Blake, he has a new career high in shutouts 11 games into the season. He has never before had more than one shutout in a season. You may notice in the third period, we have a lot of people on Canucks Twitter who have fun with, you know, shutout. Can we type shutout? Can we say shutout? Yes. And more often than not, as we saw in San Jose on Thursday, they tend to give one up in the third and ruin the shutout. So the stars are clicking like nobody's business. And, you know, one of the things we said in preseason was, the route to the playoffs for the Vancouver Canucks is their superstars continuing to be superstars and even improving on last year, which was already extraordinary for Pedersen, Hughes, of course, less so Demko, he was hurt, or go back two years ago to Miller and his 99-point season. I think the hardest thing for young superstars to figure out, because their talent ultimately is always going to be there, But I think the hardest thing for a superstar player, and this is in any sport, but maybe the sports that require everyday tenacity, like basketball and and, and hockey in particular, you know, not the shorter seasons of, of football, not the longer season with less physicality of baseball, but basketball and and hockey require you for far too many games in a season to be so intense and to be absolutely on your game. And it's hard to do that. But you oh. get the feeling that Pedersen and Hughes 
have started to figure out how to bring mm-hmm. And they're still not going to bring it 82 times. But if you can bring it 71 of the 82 times, that's going to be about where superstars need to be. Because even the very best. Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid periodically will go pointless or they'll have a very bad game where they, they're lucky to get a, a one assist. So those things do happen even for the very best. But if you can bring it 85% of the time with your skill set, you're going to be a superstar. And you, you can sort of see that now with those players that their, their, uh, their floor doesn't get seen a lot and their floor is so high now too that uh, they're, they're difference makers. And the rest of the league is taking notice now. Yeah. The other 31 markets are fully taking notice. And now. national media, they're getting all sorts well, of praise. They, they understand. It is now, and, you know, hats off to Canucks fans and Canucks Twitter for pushing this gospel forward because it is an easy market to ignore. And it has been for the last 10 years with good reason. And if you're a national hockey guy working back east – over the last 10 years, you haven't had to pay much attention to the Vancouver Canucks. They're not going to be there in April. Well, I think they're going to be there in April. And I think their superstars are going to be there at the NHL awards ceremony. Teddy Bluger is skating. He doesn't factor tonight, we don't think. Good news to see him back on the comeback trail. Demko against the Oilers. And needless to say, Jay Woodcroft, the head coach of Edmonton, is in some hot water here with a poor start to their season. Another loss Saturday to Nashville for Edmonton. That's the other thing. Like, it's one thing for the Canucks to get off to this good start. That it's coupled with just disasters in Alberta is truly something extraordinary. They're not winning 8-1 tonight. But if they were to win 4-1, 5-1? How about just any victory? No, but if it's a multi-goal victory where the Canucks really don't have that tough a time, that will look very, oh, very okay. poorly I see what you're saying. on the Woodcroft side of things. I see what you're saying. Like, it, it's, uh, I mean, I I don't know what to, to, to think about that coaching situation. It's so early with such a good team. But yeah, the Canucks could break them. <laughs> they might break them. BC Lions are winners in the West Division semifinal Saturday, 41-30. They beat the Stamps before 30,149 folks at BC Place. They're off to the West Final Saturday, 3.30 p.m. Investors Group Field in Winnipeg for a rematch with the Bombers. Of course, we're so close last year in the West Final. Three games between the sides this year. They went into that final one, each having one. Of course, BC spit the bit in the fourth quarter there, allowed the Bombers to win and take home field advantage in the West playoffs. We had a fantastic time at the game on Saturday. I will say this, when they fell behind, as soon as they fell behind, I mean, Calgary just goes bang, 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 down the field, touchdown. Three place. You sat there and went, oh boy, you know, this Stamps team could well be a problem here today. They had been getting better at the second part of the season, of course, they won that game here at BC Place that they needed to win to get in. A few weeks left in the regular season. But then Vernon Adams and that BC offense takes over. 413 yards passing for big play VA. 54 yards rushing. Three touchdowns on the ground. That ties a franchise playoff record shared by Mervin Fernandez, Tony Cherry, John Volpe, Darren Flutie. I mean... You know, mine is G-Roy and a couple others. That's a who's who. Pretty good list. Of Lions skill position players. 
five total touchdowns, did not make the big mistakes. That was a virtuoso from Vernon Adams. And especially, as mentioned, doing it after you fall behind and Blake, the atmosphere, the pitch, the everything that was there, a kickoff for the Lions, immediately deflates after that Calgary touchdown, and the Lions don't flinch. And he ultimately did not get an MOP nod for the West Division, but with all that talk around him, and then he did not look good in the final regular season game versus the Stampeders, I'll admit... Because of his resume, because he hasn't been an MOP kind of player before, I wondered, oh gosh, did Vernon Adams, you know, did he dupe us this year? Like, was this not real? Is he not capable of winning a big game? I did have some doubts. And he put all those to rest. He has now officially had a spectacular playoff performance in a Lions jersey. And I don't think you you can go into this game versus the Bombers too scared about this quarterback now. He has proven a doubter like myself wrong already that that he can win a big game. That was a big, big game that he just won, and he was not only a mere participant, mm-hmm. he was a generator. And for, and for him to have the, the running confidence too, which, yeah. and we're going to get into this with Julio, mm-hmm. you know, 25 yards along the ground by Mizell, it might be Vernon Adams carrying the yeah, ball. Well, I, I think it's going to have to be at this stage of the game. I, I I was pretty confident about this one. My question is, can Vernon Adams maintain this level for two more games against what figures to be the two best teams in the league? Because right now you have to argue that Winnipeg is better. Beat them last year in the playoffs, beat them two or three this year. Toronto had a season for the ages this year, 16-2. and So can he play at that level for two more games? Can he avoid the big mistake for two more games? That is the challenge before Vernon Adams. And if he meets it, a lot of the folks who voted for Oliveira for CFL West Division nominee are going to have to eat that because that would be the sign of a true MOP. The, uh, you know, this is where the cliche comes really into focus here of to be the best, you got to beat the best. I mean, yep. you, you weren't going to back into a great cup this year. No. There was three really good teams. Yes. Chances are, if you count yourself amongst them, you are going to have to beat one or two of those teams en route to the Grey Cup. So uh, Toronto's probably going to get away with it. That They'll probably only have to beat one of those teams because they're in the East. But there was probably no backing into a Grey Cup championship this nope. year. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are Ric Flair. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. you got to get over on that nature boy to wear big gold. Okay. I uh, I was pleased to see the Lions tweet this out because as festive as the atmosphere was and as much as we were delighting in an offensive football game with touchdowns and big plays aplenty, I am not sure I have ever heard BC Place go so quiet, eerily quiet. I think you were standing beside me when the hit happened and said, boy, you can hear a pin drop in here. And that's with a huge crowd. So I was pleased to see Coach Campbell address it in the aftermath and the Lions to tweet out, thanks to all the fans who reached out to see how Jack Hinsberger is doing following the scary collision last night. Coach Rick gave an update post-game. Big shout-out to all the trainers. Um, A savage collision 
mm-hmm. between Hinsberger and that Stampeder. And, of course, both of them laying prone. It's pretty clear that Hinsberger was knocked out cold before he'd even hit the turf. And you get really, really scared at a football game when you see a guy not moving his limbs. And there were a couple minutes there where I was worried about something spinal with Hinsberger because of the ferocity of that collision. Campbell allowed that he is medically safe, that it is a concussion. And I don't think either player knew where they were when they were brought to their feet. You just look at the conversation they were having with the athletic staff and you could tell it was the athletic staff basically guiding them. Love the reaction on the field by the players too. Oh. Like it was, it would took half of a second for players on both sides to be motioning. Like they all saw it a mile away. Oh my goodness! And, and you know, what does that look like twenty five years ago if that happens? Well, and especially too because you don't typically see collisions with a guy head up like that at that speed. So that's what made it terrifying. The good news is it wasn't. Um, well, A, it wasn't malicious. B, it wasn't careless either. Like, you know, like. No, it, that's one of those freak ones that you yeah. just are going to have to deal with. Both guys had the same idea to go sport. low, and they just happened to meet there. But nobody was leading irresponsibly with their head or anything no. like that. Like, it was just a freak accident. We'll get to the NFL tomorrow. There, uh, there were some fantastic stories from the National Football League uh, this weekend, including DeMar Hamlin. Uh, of the Buffalo Bills, but we'll get to the Seahawks laying the egg in Baltimore and everything else that transpired in week nine of the National Football League because the local sports scene was just so big. I mean, we asked on Saturday, biggest sports weekend in your memory, 70% said yes. Whitecaps, 1-0 loss, their season is over. 30,204, a club record for the MLS Whitecaps at BC Place. We were joking in the press box, there's no way they announcing figure lower than the Lions. <laughs> in fact, it was 55 more people announced by the club. Although it was great seeing them all play nicely with each other over yep. this weekend. Lions shouting out Caps, Caps shouting out Lions on social channels. Canucks had a suite. The Vancouver Canucks were in the building mm-hmm. last night. The BC Lions were in the building last night to cheer on the White Caps. Could have been perfect, right, if the Caps are able to win. And look, Vancouver has so many opportunities in the first half against LAFC, but don't get a shot on target, Blake. I was sitting there watching the game with our, our journalist from Daily Hive, and she mentioned to me, Matt, if they don't put a shot on target, there'll be three straight halves of postseason games in this building where they don't get a shot on target. An extra pass, an extra touch, a miscommunication, everything conspired against them to turn one of those great chances into a goal in the first half did start to see LAFC take control of the match later in the first half. But the big storyline here is officiating and Peter Galindo is a longtime soccer journalist. I'm going to read the tweet. He local guy that's now out East who he, he put out last night. No hyperbole. This is the worst refereeing performance I've ever seen. Number one, phantom penalty awarded and look i think it was debatable i think it was a 50 50 call yeah right but i would have i would have said no no penalty. scoring their one goal on a penalty richie meaning larea tripped in the box and if you're given the first penalty then that should be a penalty yep wholeheartedly agree if you set the standard at the other end of the pitch you need to call that one var to check on larea's shove on murillo and yet 
Novar for Gonzalez stamping Takaoka. And he would later get a yellow card for a challenge on the keeper. So it could have been two and a red card on Gonzalez. I mean, he hit some flush in the head with the knee. It's and, and boots are, the cleats are up. Like it, it's it's how again you don't even just go and, and maybe you you get a look at it and you think no it's still not meeting my threshold. But you didn't even ask him to go take a look. Like this, everybody's knowing Tim Ford's name off by heart now. Jair Marufo was the VAR guy, a super experienced referee. He didn't call over the ref to take a look at it. Yes. He got an earful from Vanny all night last night. More on Vanny in a second. Of course, Ford interferes with that one play, and that's supposed to be blown dead in a drop ball when the referee is yeah interferes that much. Vanny mentioned he was in the wrong position. And then he can't, on the same play, they go down the other way. It is clearly offside exactly. because, again, the only player back is the one player in retreat. There's no keeper. So any forward pass at that point is an offside pass. They make an offside pass. He needs to be flagged down on that. Like that is, that's, that's officials 101. How do you miss that? Was Spiky apoplectic in the radio booth? Dolly, too, joined us postgame. I mean, like it was amateur hour. Absolute amateur hour. Then Vanny took the podium. And, and Blake, I was watching him at halftime. For a minute there, I thought Vanny was going to try and confront the referee at the touchline at halftime. He got ushered into the... Mm-hmm tunnel of course he's ejected with a red card and then sits down and says i'm probably going to curse a lot because they were effing horrible he then jokes that if tin ford ends up face down in false creek the cops might come looking for him more on that in a second he called it a shameful performance he said the referees were seventh division maybe bc league three and he then encouraged journalists not to ask Caps players about the officiating because he said, I'll take on all the fines. We have since received a statement from the PSRA, which represents professional soccer officials in North America. Not MLS officials, though, it should be said. That's that's pro. Uh, so this is not... This is pro officials. But this is, this is not the association in charge of MLS officials. Pro is the name of professional okay. referee organization. Okay. That's that's who gar- governs uh, MLS officials. So this is a similar... Uh, it's a referees uh, association, yeah. and yeah. this is what referees associations should do, particularly when the um, conversation is as heated and extreme as it was. Vancouver head coach Vanny Sartini's postgame comments last night are disgusting and take the rhetoric against officials at all levels to dangerous levels. His comments go against every value in sports. It is our expectation MLS undertakes a rigorous disciplinary review here. Our old friend Rob Fay tweeted, Vanny Sartini looked like an angry dad at a cat at a kid's soccer match tonight and should be ashamed. Your I mean, thoughts? I mean, there was nothing terribly new. Vanny has been upset before. He's been joyous before. He has very large emotions. So uh, I don't think anybody should be surprised by the gesticulations on the on the pitch. The and joke boy, were there gesticulations. Yes, there were plenty. Now the the joke probably not the best idea. No, no, um, no. I, I think and now very now at the same time very clearly joking, um, but still people read it flatly. Like that's the problem. And, and the other thing is is the minute it gets it's printed, got, it's it looks got the different. potential for inciting, and and that is not something that you can abide if you're MLS. 
I imagine he will be disciplined. I mean, he joked he's going to miss the first game next year anyways on suspension. Yeah. I suspect that'll be the case. I suspect he'll be paying a heavy fine here. And but this would be frankly, per- I, and when he said it, and when he said last night, you know that he'll he needs both those things. But he major, needed to get it off his chest. But Major League Soccer and Pro need to come out, announce the fines and suspensions for Vanny, and in mm-hmm. the same breath say that Tim Ford is done for the playoffs and that he is oh, over. For sure. Like, and and they can almost hide and it Vanny now. Said I like the guy; he's a pretty good ref usually. And 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 maybe that's true. I, d- I don't recall doing a ton of Tim Ford games, but I, I would I would hide that in the same release where you're where you're saying the Vanny's suspended, and then you can save a little bit of face because you get to say, "Here's a bad guy." Oh, by the way, our guy's bad too. <laughs> you know, like at the bottom. But I don't know how you just sweep this under the rug and say that that is the standard of officiating that we're okay with. Yeah, I mean, and and you know what's funny is that when I'm doing a game like that, I'm never sure in the midst of a game if what I'm seeing is correct. Maybe I'm maybe I'm caught up in the moment. I was mm-hmm. as vociferous against the officials as I've ever been last night, and I had this sort of pause inside my head, going, "Geez, I hope I'm not seeing this differently than everybody else." Mm-hmm. And just out of curiosity, I went and saw. Luke and Steven on TSN who did the game, their post-game hit, and it was all denigrating Tim Ford. I was like, yeah. phew, okay, I'm not, I'm not on an island here. And this is before even, this was mid-game, this was before the stuff at the end and Vandy getting red carded. This is just up to that point even. And I still was like, am I being too hard on Tim Ford? Because we, uh, we were being pretty hard uh, on him. Honestly, Blake, at, at one point, I thought Vanny was going to run out and physically confront Ford. There were several times where... He was just so infuriated and pacing and gesticulating and miming as though he was going to walk out and being held back by mm-hmm. people on the Whitecaps bench. I-, I thought for a minute there, Vanny's going to go out and like physically confront him. What I did like, uh, Vanny came back out after the match, um, hugging all the LAFC players, right. hugging Steve Chirondolo. Uh, Who he said basically had his back. No, but like he, all the all the LAFC, Hollingshead, uh, Chiellini, Trundle, they said, I get it. I get it, man. It was crazy. <laughs> like they, You know, they're not going to give back the victory. Where is the day when the opposition's like, yeah, they got a gripe against the officiating yeah, tonight. Yeah. But that was it. Last night at BC Place. We'll get more into the post-mort of the Whitecaps season in the days and weeks to come. And then, of course... They'll be right back at a training camp and Champions League in February, I believe, too. So it's it's coming fast. It's a very short off season. Yeah. In the MLS. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by Greta. If you haven't checked out Greta, go find them on Cordova downtown. Great spot to catch the game throughout the season. The playoffs, place to chill in the off season. Jay Pat will stop by playing to talk about with Jeff, including big game feeling at Rogers Arena, points in seven straight, Demko. Quinn Hughes, Elias Patterson, points from the defenseman, on and all the good storylines go for the Vancouver Canucks. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, some decent happenings on the farm with the Abbey Canucks as well. Julio Caravata will join us, Lions color analyst, 25 years in the booth, calling Lions games on the West Semi and what awaits in Winnipeg. And we'll go to the people, to the people we go, Mondays and Fridays now, Looking for your tell me I'm wrongs, your hot takes. You can text them 778-402-9680. It's the Greg Clips text message inbox. 
Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and very excited to announce the release of Yellow Dog's very first mix pack, Box of Tricks. Choose between the classic Play Dead IPA, the award-winning Rough West Coast IPA, and two brand new beers, Growl Extra Pale Ale and Tug of War New Zealand IPA, hitting the shelves on Tuesday, November 7th. And at the end of a busy workday, treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. And it's time to join the electric revolution. There is nothing more exhilarating than passing by gas stations all day long. And you can join that electric revolution now easier than ever. You go to any one of the Applewood Kia locations in Surrey and Langley. Check out the EV Nero or the EV6. Both are in stock. Yeah, in stock vehicles. Novel concept. It's all good. In Applewood. Yeah, and uh, I'm out with Christine from Applewood mm-hmm. Saturday at the Lions game. They're big supporters of Toy Mountain, so you can be hearing more and more about Toy Mountain. It is uh, that season we, again. Yes, we know Toy Mountain. Well, yes. Poll question today was closer to the truth about the Canucks. Hot streak or they're really good? We're going to put it to our next guest, rank-wise Jeff Patterson, our Canucks reporter, who took in the two-buzz win over Dallas on Saturday. Jeff, how are you? I'm good. I had uh, a nice night at the rink on Saturday. Had dinner with Frankie Carrado, who was in town for that Canucks Autism Network uh, event. And uh, kudos to everybody that put on. It looked like a, a great weekend. A ton of fun for beer leaguers and rec hockey players to rub shoulders with uh, NHL alums. And Frankie was in town to take part in that, but wanted to see the Canucks up front and in person for himself because the Canucks are in Toronto at the end of this week. He said he was going to be working that one on radio. So I think he was impressed like most people were. And I have to say, guys, and I wrote about this in my column uh, at Canucks Army on Sunday, it was just so nice to have that big game feel back at Rogers Arena. And I know it was game 11. Trust me, I get it. It's game 11. But the Stars came in at 7-1-1. The Canucks were 7-2-1. It felt like they were sort of feeling each other out in that first period. There have been so few big games at Rogers Arena over the last decade that I got to thinking that really, when you look at the core group of Vancouver Canucks, and I'm talking about Demko, Hughes, Pedersen, Miller, Besser, I would argue that that game on Saturday may have had the most heft of any game that that quintet has played as as members of the Vancouver Canucks at Rogers Arena. Of course, they played in the bubble, and that was playoff hockey with nobody in the stands and in a pandemic, but in terms of games on home ice, they just haven't played many big ones. So it was cool. It had a nice, like it had that vibe to it. And let's hope that there are a whole bunch more here uh, over the course of the season. I'm glad you're going to brought, I'm glad you brought that up because it's actually a discussion point at the Whitecaps last night. I think with a lot of people at the Lions game, they were getting reports about how big game feel Rogers arena was for the first time in years and years and years Answer me this, Jeff, because the last time they have earned points in seven consecutive hockey games, you've got to go back to December 2021. And, of course, the uh, birth of Bruce, there it is, in a seven-game winning streak that took him through that month. Is it fun at the ring? Not just big game, but was the fun 
back at Rogers Arena. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't end-to-end, you know, goals galore like there was in San Jose, obviously, but there is an art to a, a chess match. And I kind of felt the first period was that, and then the Canucks took over, aided by a few power plays, but the shots were 12-1 to 1 at one point in the second period. The ice started to tilt, and they've been able to do that uh, a lot here lately. And, of course, they break the scoreless tie, and then uh, what a play by Philip Hironik set up Elias Pettersson. And that gave the Canucks a little bit of a cushion. Ian Cole with a thunderous hit on Matt Duchesne, and that got the people into it as well. So certainly there were moments throughout that hockey game. And it just, again, in my mind, it harkened back, and we've been all around this team long enough to remember playoff hockey. And I just thought, like, imagine if this was the first of six or seven straight against the same opponent. And that is the beauty of playoff hockey. Obviously, we're a long way from that. I get that. I want to be guarded. But for three hours on Saturday, at the very least, I dared to dream, fellas, that uh, maybe, just maybe, there will be some postseason hockey at the Raj in the spring of 2024. Well, that's about as well played a November game as you can get, to be honest. Uh, that was the day that was had saw the most goals in National Hockey League history ever scored in one day. And yet there they are playing a 2 nothing game against the Stars. So it stood out like a sore thumb, in a good way, um, of just a well-played, structured game. So it seems like hyperbole to say playoff hockey, but I think we have to commend both sides. And in this case, we'll stick with the Canucks. It's just They played a structured game. And we've talked about adding structure, but it was. I think a lot of people viewed that on a sliding scale, Jeff, that – yeah, they've got more structure, but they still score a lot of goals, yada, yada, No, that was a fully structured game that they played. They're the kind of game that will win you contests in March and maybe in May. Yeah, and Matt, you referenced the you know the, the debut of Bruce, there it is. And, of course, they got on that run, and what was sort of the constant then as it is right now, Thatcher Demko was one of the stars of the month for December when Bruce Boudreau took over, and he was good then. And he was great in the bubble, obviously. And that's kind of been, not the knock on Demko, but it's that he has shown us for a month here or a playoff stretch there. But people wanted to see him do it from day one right through the season. Well, he can't get to the end of the season uh, without suiting up and playing the games. And so far, uh, it's better than so far so good. I mean, he has been spectacular. Jake Ottinger, one of the great young goaltenders. Like that really was a souped up goaltending matchup the other night. And Ottinger was good, but he blinked and Demko didn't. And two shutouts already this season and first time in his career that he's got to two. So, uh, yeah, to, uh, you know, I was curious. How were they going to follow up a, a loosey-goosey uh, Harlem Globetrotter-esque 10-goal night in San Jose? And they were all business. They were locked in. And I, I think that's what I like is that they've shown that they can score a bunch of goals and win sort of the high-flying games. They did it on opening night against the Oilers. They won 5 nothing against St. Louis. But then here comes Dallas, and you know what you're going to get from the Dallas Stars, and the Canucks were able to beat the Stars at their own game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they're just they're on a run right now, uh, 6-0-1. The only you know, blemish there was the, the overtime loss against the Rangers, and that was a fun game on a Saturday night as well. Uh, you know, so they've played the Rangers hard. They beat the Dallas Stars. You know, I think there's a lot to like in the fact that when they've measured themselves against some of these teams that are going to be there uh, when the playoffs rolled around, I think the Canucks can feel pretty solid and uh, you know pretty proud of the way that they have performed in these early season tests. And uh, you mentioned Demko, Jeff. Uh, some of us are a little surprised he got the San Jose game because that maybe looked like a backup start and then come back with them. I suspect come back with them against Edmonton. And what, DeSmith gets in one of the two Toronto or Montreal games on the weekend? How have you uh, 
What's been your assessment of the way they've handled the goaltenders here? And are we ready to see Thatcher Demko pick up more and more starts compared to the uh, spot rest, the more frequent spot rest, I think we can all say that we he got in October from Casey DeSmith. Yeah, he got a Saturday start. How about that? Uh, and I imagine that he'll get another one in Toronto on the big stage and uh, against the Leafs in the feature game on hockey night. But I think they've handled their goaltending duties uh, perfectly, quite frankly. Now, uh, you know, remember game two in Edmonton, the rematch after the 8-1 romp, and uh, Demko left the, the home opener with an illness, so we weren't sure about Demko's availability then, but Casey DeSmith went in, performed, got the victory, did the same thing in Florida. Uh, I like the way that you know they gave DeSmith the Florida game and saved arrested Demko for a conference opponent in Nashville. They went in at the end of the trip, and they beat the Predators there. Uh, I was a little surprised because, yeah, I, I thought the San Jose game had Casey DeSmith written all over it, but at the same time, Thatcher Demko has started three straight right now for the first time all season. They've almost got through a month of the season, and he started three in a row. I'm with you. I think he gets this Oiler game coming off a shutout because the last time he had a shutout was St. Louis. They played the next night, and that's when they went to Casey DeSmith. So there were reasons for that. But, you know, hockey, conventional hockey wisdom is to get a shutout, uh, you keep the net. So I think that's the I, You know, I think they're going to get on a bit of a run here now with Thatcher Demko. But the fact that they have sort of eased his workload in the first three or four weeks of the season – allows them to ramp him up now to you know, I don't think anybody would be alarmed if he gets to five straight starts if he plays against Edmonton and starts the road trip in Ottawa get to Toronto and then it's back to back on Sunday night through to Montreal so I, I think DeSmith probably is earmarked for that Montreal game right now if he played in Ottawa wouldn't be shocked but yeah I, I think it's time I mean Thatcher Demko again is in such a groove right now he just looks so poised and polished and the economy of motion and the saves that he's making and you look at his record on home ice, guys. He's 4-0. He's given up three goals in those four games already. He has, he has two shutouts and has only given up three goals. Uh, it's incredible. I mean, uh, it, you know, and the strength of any good team in the National Hockey League uh, is goaltending, and the Vancouver Canucks have it, certainly in their starter. And Casey DeSmith's been really good uh, when he has been asked to get in there and shoulder the load. Uh, Quinn Hughes was absolutely terrible by his standards. Uh, <laughs> by, by most people's standards, it was spectacular still on Saturday. But by his standards, just kind of an average Quinn Hughes day. He actually looked a little bit out of sorts at times just uh, handling the puck. But I think the other five defensemen showed that they were all doing their job, didn't they? I mean, from Cole's Thunderous hit to the fabulous pass by Ronick, uh, Susie got appointed and he is as, as yeah. well. And then the other two were just kind of not screwing things up. Like Friedman and Myers are kind of just, they're fine. And that's all the Canucks are asking of them right now. So it was a night for the other defensemen to sort of show their wares. Yeah, and look, if that's the off night for Quinn Hughes and yeah. they still are able to shut out an opponent, then yeah. hey, uh, he's going to bounce back. He's electric. But you're right, he was fumbling the puck and it did kind of feel like he, a guy that, you know, we remark about his edge work all the time. Uh, it was noteworthy that his edge work seemed to fail him a little, a couple times as well, uh, blowing tires out there. So yeah, he wasn't at the very top of his game. Uh, and yet the Canucks still come through and pass that test with flying colors. But part of that is Philip Aronik logging huge minutes again, picks up yet another assist. He's on a six-game point streak, kind of quietly up to 11 helpers. And I looked at this on Sunday, that the Canucks have two defensemen, Hughes with 16 points and Aronik with 11. That is more points in two defensemen than 10 NHL teams have from their leading scorer at this stage of the season. I mean, there's just so many goofy stats around the Vancouver Canucks and their offense right now, but you know that jumped out at me when you've got two guys that play defense that have more points than the leading scorer on 10 other teams. 
around the league. But yeah, Carson Soucy has sort of settled in and you know, you want him to just be quiet most nights. And, and I think that's the case. The Cole hit, I see Matt Duchesne is out of the Dallas lineup and that's unfortunate for him. You hope that it's uh, nothing serious there, but boy, just on the receiving end of uh, big time lowering the boom. And again, that got the crowd into it. It got the bench into it. Talk, it certainly alluded to it after the game as, you know, a momentum uh, moment in that hockey game. And then, you know, this is funny, I've got to go look this up, but I, somebody suggested on social, dare I say this, where's the wood to knock on here? But Tyler Myers has gone five games now without being on the ice for a goal against. So, you know, when I say I just want it to be quiet around Carson Soucy, the same thing applies there to Tyler. Just keep it simple. Yeah. Eliminate the mistakes. And and then Mark Friedman has just settled in as well. And, you know, other than the other night in San Jose when he was taking pucks to the face, you don't notice him an awful lot. But I say that as praise and sort of, you know, more of what you want from sort of those bottom three guys. Right. So the top three are going to do a lot of the heavy lifting for this hockey club they have. And when you've got uh, the great eraser like Thatcher Demko behind them right now, there's not much getting into that Vancouver net. Let me ask you our poll question then, Jeff. Uh, what's the truth about these Canucks? Hot start or they're really good? <laughs> uh, I think right now I would change to really good. Uh, when you just look at sort of the, the backbone of this group, Demko, Hughes, Patterson, and I don't know if you guys saw that ESPN sort of uh, awards watch uh, article that was out earlier today. Like It really was bizarro world stuff to read. I mean, it's all about the Vancouver Canucks, and this is taking samples from anonymous voters, people that are actually going to cast ballots at the end of the season. And for all the talk two weeks ago about nobody's paying attention to Quinn Hughes and nobody's watching the Vancouver Canucks, I mean, Hughes, the front runner for the Norris, Pedersen getting heart and selkie love, Demko, the Vesna Tocket, coach of the year. Like, it does sort of feel like the people that are going to vote at season's end are finally taking notice of what the Canucks star power is doing. So uh, certainly with those guys going the way that they're going, JT Miller playing the way he's playing, Besser, you know, on and on it goes. This doesn't feel like a hot streak. I mean, the, the structure that we all kind of laughed a little bit about uh, down the stretch last year and through training camp, uh, it's been ever-present. Uh, you know, there are a couple of nights where they've strayed from that system, but for the most part, haven't got too far away from it. And they're just not giving up the goals and the chances at anything close to the rate that they were a year ago. And so it does sort of feel, I mean, they're not going to shut out every opponent. I get that, but there does seem like there's a sustainability to the way that they are playing. And the other part is there's total buy-in. And I think that, you know, success begets success. Like these guys are digging this and all those core guys that I mentioned, they haven't had much, if any success in their time in Canuck colors. And so it feels long overdue. And I think they're loving it right now. And, you know, prior to Saturday's game, Besser acknowledged the fact that these are the kind of games that, you know, I want to play in because quite frankly, I haven't played in many of them uh, through his time in the Vancouver Canuck system. And so uh, they're having fun. They're winning games. They're playing the right way for the most part. And uh, I I do think that they can keep this up. Again, the caution comes. They're not going to win every game. Just kind of feels like that right now. So, um, then the big question is, I mean, there's six points up on a playoff spot as we speak. Jeff, can they screw it up from here? Well, injury certainly can. And I mean, but that's across the board for any team in the National Hockey League. Uh, you know, if they can stay healthy, though, in the words of Jim Rutherford prior to the, the season there, if everything goes right. Uh, yeah, but I mean, there's reason to believe here in the short term. And Teddy Bluger is back skating now. We finally heard that over the weekend. And so... Uh, he's going to go out on the road trip here at some point. You inject him. I mean, there's reason to leave, and it might take him a little while to get up to speed. To, you know, with the way that this team's playing and the way that this game is going. But you know, it's a, he's going to step in and 
should be able to help this team. And so there's reason to believe that they could get a little bit better. You know, are, are they going to be completely healthy the rest of the year? No. So there will be other injuries along the way. But if their key guys stay healthy, then, yeah, I mean, I, I think you put all these points in your basket early in the season, like that matters. And the other thing too, and this is crazy, but you know, a chance to win the season series from the Edmonton Oilers on November the 6th. But beyond that, a win in regulation time, they will pull 14 points clear of the Oilers less than four weeks into the National Hockey League schedule. Like that is just, it's hard to wrap your head around, but we know what the Canucks have done. We know the struggles of the Edmonton Oilers. The Canucks have been part of that with those two wins right off the bat. They get a third one here and they take the season series. And, you know, is that going to matter at the end? Yeah. No, but you want those tiebreakers, uh, you know, under your control. Well, so I will imagine I would argue it is because, you know, we talked about it last week when they beat Nashville, Jeff, is you're in the Western Conference with all these teams. It's about eliminating these teams and winning season series against them gets you closer to the end goal. So, I mean, to be... To have two series wins potentially after tonight, one against a team that was as high as Edmonton last year, one that was in your neck of the woods against Ash, uh, Nashville, is uh, pretty heady stuff for a team that hasn't had a lot of positive headlines, particularly at this time of year, for several years going. Imagine on. telling somebody, we've reduced the NHL schedule to 70 games, and we're also going to spot you a 14-point lead on the Can you make the playoffs? Absolutely. I, I think people would say you can't. Uh, Jeff, magnificent stuff. We'll be listening to Rinkwide's Monday and uh, look forward to speaking to you later in the week. All right, guys. Thank you. It's Carson Price from All Center Presentation. Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags the best and worst at Twitter.com brought to you by Jason Hominick, Jason Dob Mortgage. If you have a great rate on your mortgage but still need equity out of your house, Jason has a solution. You keep your great rate, you access that equity without touching your existing mortgage. If your mortgage is up in the next six months, now is the time to reach out. Find them at Jason.mortgage. At Jaguar Gator NFL. I love Nathan Rourke. But I am begging the Giants to please poach him from our practice squad and make him their starter oh, because this is too painful. Tommy DeVito is not an NFL quarterback. No, he's not NFL quality. And it seems the coaching staff knows that, given the way that they have been play calling for him when he's had to come in in relief of Daniel Jones. They are unwatchable. Jones is done. Tyrod's done for a number of weeks, too. Yeah. I, I, the first thing I thought you've of. got no, you have nothing to lose if you're the New York Giants because Devito is not it. That much is clear. Go poach a couple of qu quarterbacks off practice rosters and throw them in there and see if anybody can float. But there's a CFL MVP on a practice roster, and it doesn't twig in any Giants staff minds of hmm. Wonder if he's better than the 700th best quarterback right. in the NFL. I he was the two-time conference player of the year as well at Ohio. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I, oh my goodness. I've lost faith in scouting if somebody wow. doesn't suggest that. There are certain franchises, certain GMs and scouts in the National Football League who will pay a lot of respect to the CFL, who understand it is the only other field football league in this world uh, of, of quality, of, of you know, better than semi-pro quality where you do have guys who can play in the National Football League, and others, it's just a massive blind spot. 
at Hall 1289. This is Dave Hall of Canucks Army. Mm-hmm. The new Faber. Mm-hmm. Big shoes to fill on prospects. Both the Abbotsford and Vancouver Canucks grab shutout wins on Saturday. Archer Shiloffs with 23 saves and a 2 nothing win over Henderson. And uh, here's the thing. Shiloffs and Abbotsford needed that. They are second worst in the HL, having given up 40 goals. And that's despite being second place in their division at 6-4-1. and one. Arshdeep Baines goes into this week leading the American Hockey League in scoring at 16 points, one better than a couple of players, including former Canuck Adam Gaudet. The bottom line here, the Abbotsford Canucks are fun this year too. And if you get a chance, go on out and see them at Abbey Center. There are some fantastic stories there, yeah, including there really our Steve Baines. Yeah. Uh, at NJ Devils, this is from last night. Jack Hughes will not play tonight against Chicago. He'll be week to week with an upper body injury. He's back in New Jersey with the athletic care staff week to week. The Devils are in Vancouver in a month. Yeah. Can Would we, be the first time all three Hughes brothers competed against each other on the same ice surface. If I had to bet, I'd NHL. say he's ready to go for that game. I mean, I think it's going to be everything in his power to be ready. Yeah. Let's hope for that game. Blake, you may have seen that the San Jose Sharks gave up another 10 spot. <laughs> it was hard not to see it. Consecutive <laughs> 10 spots. It was unbelievable. I saw you tweeting about it. I saw you and Jeff. Effectively turn into uh, Penguins, Sharks beat writers there for a few I mean, honestly, God, the Canucks are doing a number on the Stars, <laughs> and I'm equally enthralled by the national debt climbing yeah, there in San Jose. It, it was like the debt clock. So, somebody asked, has that ever happened before in NHL history? Hockey reference to the rescue at hockey underscore ref. It's happened to four teams in NHL history. The Sharks... Last time it happened, Blake, you have to go back to the 65-66 Bruins. Oh, my god! That's pre-expansion. That's original six. The 43-44 Bruins. And then the 19-20 Quebec Athletic Club. The San Jose Sharks did something this week that we had not seen in the National Hockey League in 58 years. And we've only seen four times in history. Two of them pre, I mean, 43-44-1920, you're not even talking about a sport that's all that similar no. to what we're looking Forward at. Forward passes, maybe. <laughs> uh, in fact, though, the Sharks have given up 20 over two games once before. They had a seven spot, a 13 oh spot on them back in 1993. 93, that 11-win season. Yeah. So if you can believe that, uh, that, that that only equals their worst ever two-game span, uh, it's pretty unbelievable. I'm out. Okay, at underscore Phil underscore Thompson of the Chicago Tribune. An ex-Blackhawk player, a Black Ace teammate of Kyle Beach, sues the Hawks, alleging a 2010 sexual assault. This also goes back to former video coach Brad Aldridge, the suit alleges he groomed, harassed, threatened, and assaulted this black ace, and that the team also buried this complaint to protect their 2010 Stanley Cup.
playoff run. The uh, lawsuit is quite graphic, quite detailed, quite disturbing, including allegations that Aldridge snuck into the bedroom while this black ace was with a woman and having intercourse, asking to join the encounter. It offer He offered to pay this black ace if he were to go to a sexual favor massage session. On multiple occasions, he approached the black ace from behind, grabbed him, and assaulted him, and harassing text messages as well. No, it's gross stuff. Um, and... You wonder how the NHL. Um, well, did the NHL? To deal with so, it? so the end. Of the question is: Did the NHL miss this? Did the NHL know of this and just tried not to address it when it was adjudicated in the well, Beach matter? They must have known about it because it says in the suit that um, mm-hmm. it was brought to the attention of executives and McDonough didn't report this until mm-hmm. after the Stanley Cup final. So. Yeah, there's. It's on the record. It's on the official record of the Chicago Blackhawks as being talked about. Mm-hmm. So the NHL has to have known about it. I mean, they they, they have to have known about it. Mm-hmm. And once again, nothing to see here. Transparency continues to be one of the great failings of this commissioner in this league. And that is hashtags for today. And here's Connor Bedard. Mm-hmm. The BC Lions are off to their second straight West Division final. Once again, it's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the Manitoba capital here to discuss their big victory over Calgary in the West Semi and the big one, the big game ahead, celebrating 25 years (laughs) as the color man on BC Lions Radio, most recently, of course, with AM730. Our friend, it's been too long, Julio. Yes. Caravana. You guys? Great to hear your voice. Great to Thank see you, you again, my man. Thank I, you. I really appreciate that. Well, 25 years, you know what? I I feel old, but the scary thing is I think I've known both of you for all that 25 years, too. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure this isn't Moj? Because they announced it inside the stadium, and it's, it wasn't this guy. Are you sure this isn't Moj? <laughs> so tell us what happened before we got well, into the game, because what a beautiful tribute they're going to yeah. do to you all on the massive video board yes. at BC Place for your anniversary. <laughs> And I kept seeing the moach. Yes. Well, that's that's the funny. I didn't know anything was going on. I, I basically, you know, we're in we're doing the game, and and Moj was talking about something, and I was I was, you know, trying to pay attention to what he was saying, and um, he, you know, all of a sudden I just looked out onto the field, and I looked up at the screen, and I see him. I'm on the big screen. And I'm just like, all of a sudden he's he's continuing to talk, but he's still on the screen. And then finally I point. I'm going, hey, you're on the big screen. And he looks at me and he kind of smiles and he goes, that's supposed to be you. I go, what are you talking about? Why would it be me? And he's going, oh, they're, they're making a, a, an announcement about your, your, your 25, 25th anniversary doing the color. I was like, get out of here. Like I, I didn't, I didn't, cause I didn't hear anything through the speaker at the stadium. So, so shoot, as soon as it, it happens, right. I, I was, you know, I was, I was obviously it was very nice, but I'm thinking to myself, you know, if I had a nickel for every time I walked down the street and someone says, Hey Moj, how you doing? 
I'm going, ah, oh, Jesus, you know? So anyway, it's going to go even up from there. I know, right. I know. Yes. Yeah, I know. And so my phone starts going off like crazy because the friends that I have there at the game are going, Hey, you were, you were supposed to be on the big screen, but they showed Moj. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> Oh God. And I go, lucky me, lucky me. So anyways, uh, yeah. So that's kind of how uh, it went down. It was very nice. Like Moj had it set up and everything. Cause I think he had asked me at some point about a month or so ago, like how many, how many, I said, I think this is year 25 doing this. And so anyways, yeah. So he, he, you know, he set it up. So it was very nice of him. And um, would yeah. you rather they show Moj and sit back? It's the thought that counts. Would right? you rather they show Moj by accident or you with a yeah, full I don't, hey, listen, ice cream sandwich? I, which, which, I wouldn't which would want to torture anybody with my face on that biggest screen. Okay. So <laughs> the fact that they showed Moj, that's fine. <laughs> hey, the moral of the story is name dropping has its privileges. I'm it sure does. Moj has dropped the video board operator's name somewhere, I'm, sometime. Somewhere. And that or was a cigar. Or a cigar. Or a cigar. cigar. Yeah, very good. For sure. Very good. Hey, yeah. let's talk football, Julio, because when Calgary goes right down the field and scores like that, uh, you know, you're sitting there going, okay, recipe for an upset here. Mm-hmm. They didn't flinch. Yeah. They no, did I, I, not I, flinch. Yeah. And you know, the scary thing is, is that that very first play was the exact same play they ran in the, in the the game two weeks ago and, and the, and the receiver dropped it. So this time they were able to, to complete it. And, and you're right. Going down in what was it? Three plays and scoring or. Well, whatever it was, is mm-hmm. it's not the way you want to start that game. But the response is, um, you know, was was critical for the Lions. And and really, what can you say? I think they have four straight drives with four touchdowns. Um, you know, Vernon was spectacular. He really was. You know, that that when when your quarterback plays like that in this league, you, you are an absolute nightmare for for a defense. Uh, I don't care how good your defense is when you got a guy who can move around like that and still make plays downfield. You're going to be dangerous, and and he was just exceptional. Uh, the way, not only the way he ran the ball. I'm sure everyone will point to his mobility and running around, and that's something that obviously he brings to the table. But his ability to throw the ball downfield, like in that zone coverage, he was anticipating those windows were were small. They had a lot of guys dropping into coverage, and he was really anticipating and throwing the ball with pace. Um, just really, really a, a treat to watch. He was just you know, off the charts. Was he off two weeks ago or was he dinged? Yeah. Do you think they said he was healthy, but they yeah. pull him at the half and said, he said he was just saving him to Rick Campbell. Yeah. Do you think he was dinged? I mean, yeah, it's hard I, well, to explain I, it. I think the knee, I think the knee, it was kind of bothering him. I don't think he would admit to that, but right. also I was, the other thing guys, and you, you guys know, I've been around whatever sport it is. If you're not mentally ready to play, um, you know, you're, you're going to get, you're going to get it handed to you. And and they just weren't mentally ready. Like they, I think had, had really kind of resolved to the fact that, Hey, we're going to be second place. We're going to host a game. Winnipeg's not going to lose. We're, you know, I mean, this is what our fate is. And Oh, by the way, we got to play a football game and you're playing it against a team who um, is desperate and needs to win because it needs a chance to get into the playoffs. And if you don't rise up to that, that's the kind of performance you're going to get. And so, for the Lions, it was probably the best thing that could have happened to them because they had they had to live with that narrative for the last two weeks about how bad their defense was and how much how many yards they gave up and offensively they're not good enough. He can't do this, he can't do that, blah, 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 blah. So I think it really lit a fire underneath those guys. Um, and you saw what the result was. When they when they come to play, 
they can be a very tough team to play against. You alluded to it already, Julio. I mean, it's hard to um, outshine 413 yards passing, but the three rushing touchdowns and that ties a club record for touchdowns in a in a playoff game on the seven carries. And, you know, I'm reminded a number of years ago, Darian Durant, the Saskatchewan quarterback, used to say, look, I try and preserve myself over 18. When I get to the postseason, the quarterback run game has to be a part of the equation. Yeah. You got nothing to lose. And the seven carries for 54, of course, the three touchdowns, but first downs with the other carries, mm-hmm. he really looked like he understood what the game required from him not just his arm, but with his feet as well. Yeah, no, well said. You know, he, that's uh, exactly what he needed to do. And, you know, we teased him uh, prior to the game, or not teased him, but we I asked him about, you know, how important it was that he use his feet in order to create. And he said, hey, listen, my dad just landed. Um, he's going to be at the game. And he tells me before every game, he wants a first down running every quarter from me. Um, and he delivered that. Um so, you know, the thing is that, when, especially in the Canadian Football League, like I always say if, if you can get four or five first downs out of your quarterback when there's not a play to be made. And, and I mean, like, you know, it breaks down up front and you need to scramble and get out of there and make something happen either with your feet or be able to look downfield and create a first down. That's what usually, you know, can, it separates you, right? So um, I, I just think that he was just so on point with all of it. It just seemed... You know, every time Calgary came with a little bit of pressure, he knew exactly where to go with it. When they didn't come with pressure, he was able to find the holes in zone. And when it wasn't there, he was able to move out of the pocket. And now when you move out of the pocket, those defenders now have to come to you and you're vacating a hole, right? So they were able to really find find all those holes. There really wasn't anything he didn't see. Uh, and, and I always think to myself, too, from a quarterback standpoint, when you see blitz coming and you know it's coming and the ball is out of your hands right now and you're completing those hot routes, you're you're in tune. You you know what's going on. You're on your game because you could see every time they, they tried to do something, he had an answer for it. Yeah, and of course um, it needed because of the worst rushing attack in the CFL. Well, I was talking to Rick Campbell about that prior to the game. I mean, how concerned are you against a, uh, such a complete team like the Bombers? How, how concerned are you just that the, I mean, they don't have a rushing game, the Lions? Yeah, it, 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 yeah, you're right. There, there's no denying that. They just, they haven't had it. And, um, you know, obviously now you're, you're going to see a little bit different approach maybe from Winnipeg that he's shown a little bit more of that running ability. He hasn't shown very much of that this year. Yeah, it's on um, the quarterback so, now, isn't it? It's like yeah. it's, it's it's on him to create that yes. doubt for the defense, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. There's no question, and and it's going to because now Winnipeg, no matter you know, and and they're like you say, there is as complete a team as as there is. But from a defensive standpoint, you now have to realize that hey, he has shown that he can he can get out and run and will run, and so now we have to be able to be disciplined, stay upfield. So it takes a little bit of the edge off when you're having to. When you can come off the edge recklessly and kind of know that, hey, this is where the guy's going to be. Now, all of a sudden, you may not do that because he, if he gets outside of you, you're in trouble because everything breaks down. It doesn't matter where you play, what league. Once your quarterback breaks the breaks the contain of, of the tackle, it, all bets are off, right? You, you, you as a defense, it they're very, very. It's very difficult to defend. Were so, any of those plays? Were any of those plays called plays? No. Or no, all of them were broken I, I, plays. No, I think. 
when you see the RPOs, when you see that run pass option where you fake that handoff and then you see him go, those are designed. Yeah. But anytime you get a three or four man pressure where he's darting around in there and then all of a sudden escapes, that's all on him. So, um, you know, they, again, like they have shown that they can they can beat them. Um, and I think through their own mistakes, they lost that game at the end, that that final game in BC Place because of some of their own mistakes. So this is what I look forward to is that this matchup has gone back and forth, back and forth. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you, you get into these scenarios where, you know, you, you really need to be on point, right? You can't make mistakes. Um, you got to take advantage of your, your opportunities. And both these teams are, are fairly evenly matched, right? They've, they've shown that over the year. Um, now, whether the BC Lions can go into Winnipeg and, and put it all together as yet to be seen, but they're a good road team. They've had success there. They know what it takes. And, I think it should be a heck of a game. Well, and beyond that, Julio, it's now a great storyline narrative and rivalry in the Canadian oh, yeah. Football League. Like, you know, the, one of the great things I think about next weekend is you have the four best teams, bar none, yeah. playing in these. Uh, and, of course, you have this storyline of Bombers or Lions were close last year, didn't quite get there, won one of three this year when they really should have had two of three. And Rick Campbell and Ryan Phillips and Jordan McSimmick can say to their group, like, look, if you want to be considered better than them, then the opportunity is there on Saturday, and you have to because right now everybody will say they're a notch better than the BC Lions. Yeah, it's great motivation fuel. Well, I think that that has presented itself for this coaching staff going into this week. No doubt, it, and I, I I hate doing this, but I it's how I can relate to the current situation is that. I can remember back in 1994 when we played the Calgary Stampeders and absolutely got throttled through the regular season by them. And the last game of the year, we actually lost to them, but we played them tough. I think we lost by two points or something like that, made a final push and never and, and didn't and didn't win it. But I can remember the feeling in the locker room that guys were pissed off that they didn't get it done, that we finally played them like, you know, like close. And it gave us the confidence that, hey, we got a chance. So given the narrative of what's happened going up to up to this game and your defense isn't good enough, you don't run the ball well enough, blah, 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 blah. Winnipeg's better because that's going to be the narrative. Winnipeg's the better team. They're going to win. They can't stop the running game. The Zach Claros, blah, blah, blah. That's good. So, but when you have that internal kind of, hey, we're, we're angry. We're, we're not getting the kind of respect. Sometimes that's the motivation you need to get you over the hump. So again, um, I think the Lions have confidence going into Winnipeg. They've proven to themselves that they can play with that team. And um, now it's just about going out there and executing. Julia, what's it been like for you to sit there and get a front row seat and be able to call all these games during the Amar Doman uh, <laughs> tenure of this club, culminating with another crowd of 30,000 uh, yeah. on the weekend and, and seeing that passion rekindled for Lions football because I walked the concourse at halftime and I cannot remember the concourse being that shoulder to shoulder in a long time and so much black and orange in the building as well. Yeah, all the things that he said originally when he bought that team, I remember when he first owned, when he bought the team, we had him on at halftime and all the things that he wanted to do at that point when he talked about going grassroots and getting the kids in the in, in in BC Lions gear and you know getting renewing that 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 football uh, community here, um, he's done it. You know I mean what can you say? I mean that 
I just, every time I've talked to him, I just, I, I'm just so impressed with his passion for the game and what he wants to do. And, um, and most importantly, you mean he's done things, he's put his money where his mouth is, right? Like all these things, they need money. Like that party outside uh, yesterday, you need to have the kind of ownership that is going to do that because it doesn't, it doesn't happen for free. And he's done all those things. And, and the other part too, is like, I got my friends telling me like, Hey, I saw Mardon walking around the concourse. We got a picture with him, and like he's like a rock star. Really, he's he's gone from probably nobody knowing who he was to everybody knowing who he was, and and rightfully so. He's done such an amazing job with the team. He's he's brought such a renewed enthusiasm, and as you said, yesterday was a culmination of that. To see thirty thousand fans and see everybody in in black and orange, enjoying themselves, having a good time. Um, it's 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 been very very nice for us. Yep. Well, uh, just a small story, but last week we had him on the show. He shows up on the screen. He's in a beautiful Lions sweater. I go, oh, Mar, really nice sweater. Are they selling those at the merch store? He goes, what size do you need? Oh. Next thing I know, hours later, there's a young lady at our studio door here with a bag, and she's motioning at me. I'm like, what is going on there? Sure enough, from the office of Amar Doman, here come yeah. a couple of those BC Lions. He gets it. Sweaters, yeah, he sure he gets does. It. Yeah. All right, Julio, fantastic catching up. Congratulations on 25 years, my friend. You're absolutely you. the best in the business. You know, there were a lot of lean years there when your passion, your enthusiasm, your energy for this club and this league uh, floated us through and got us through some dark times. Thank you. Enjoy the game in Winnipeg. We'll catch up soon. I really mean it. I really appreciate that, Matt. That was very nice of you. Thank you very much, guys. It was great to see you guys as well. Oh, to the people. To the people. Yes. Let's go to those people, shall we? Have to go to the people. I missed the people there. It's been a long, frustrating time for people here. To the people, we go. And to the people, we go. Brought to you by our friends at Finning Canada. Finning Canada, your local dealer for cat equipment built to handle work in Western Canada for heavy equipment for the job site. Visit the Cat Rental Store. Chat with the knowledgeable staff and get what you need by parts, rent tools, power solutions. Find it all at finning.com. Results from the two poll questions we asked over the weekend, because we had one on Friday and then fired another one Saturday in light of everything that was going on. Best story about the Canucks through 10 games. The winner was the Hughes-Ronick pairing with 44%. Some people wanted to separate Hughes out of there. Besser got 37%. All the goals got 16%. And DiGiuseppe got 3% of the vote. Here are the off-the-board answers, and we did ask you to reply with others. And, of course, only four options on Twitter and so many good storylines with the Vancouver Canucks. Uncle Puck says improved special teams, both power play and penalty kill, and certainly the power play. Penalty kill is you know still a work in progress, but it's better. JP says... It had given, only way to, one way to go from last oh, year. Of course. <laughs> JP says, given all that... Uh, that all of these would be on the list. How about talking and team buy-in? Yeah, several write-in votes for the coach Mm -hmm. and the system and the culture. I put that on YouTube as as the fifth option. It won 50%. Interesting. We had asked the talk at poll the previous day, I think, which is why we didn't go there. Griffith Sway says it's Quinn Hughes, front-runner for the heart at this point. Zafile says they still haven't lost versus the Western Conference where they've been racking up goals and 
That continued into Saturday's game against Dallas. And again, four-point games happen no matter what month. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's a good idea. And Josh the Zamboni guy says, Petey, every single game he's turning the screws on management and saying, pay me more. Biggest sports weekend in your memory. We shot that on Saturday. 70% said yes. Ben on Burke Mountain with a good retort. Voted no. We did host the Olympics one year. I'd say that's bigger. Okay, okay. you get us on the technicality. I think this is a different no, category. No, 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 no. Uh, different category. We certainly knew. <laughs> Nobody here has forgotten the Winter Olympics in 2010. We were asking specifically about a weekend, which brings me to Aiden, and I'm glad he replied. Um, and I should have remembered, but I'm getting old. And I wrote about this, for God's sakes, back then. He says, um, oh, sorry, uh, it wasn't Aiden who uh, advised me of this. It was somebody else. No, Aiden's got it. Aiden says, I agree with the others that the Olympics are tough to beat. For pro sports, the 2011 Grey Cup plus the Canucks home OT win, they won the President's Trophy by two points, is a contender. BC Place also hosted a a classic of a Vanier Cup that weekend. Um, correct. Uh, the Canucks beat Ottawa, the Senators, and did win the President's Trophy by two on the same weekend that the BC Lions won the Grey Cup Championship. And that was an incredible Vanier Cup game. I mean, truly one of the great Vanier Cup games or Canadian University sport games of all time, with McMaster beating Laval 41 41- to 38 in front of a pretty good crowd at BC Place, as I recall. Okay, uh, but you don't win the President's Trophy in November. No, you don't. Like, did the two points add to the President's Trophy mm-hmm. hall? Yes, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if I see that. There was a huge second half comeback in that game as well. McMaster was down 23 nothing at the half. Their quarterback, Kyle Quinlan, threw for 482 and rushed for 106. Have you a day? So anyways, yes, there was a lot of... Um, drama that weekend. Now, I do wonder if Aiden got it a little bit wrong because I think that was the last weekend in November 2011 and the Canucks won a game in San Jose. Anyways, there there were some huge weekends, needless to say, around that time when the Canucks and Lions both had incredible teams. And of course, the last weekend of 2010 was also big because you not only had the golden goal in Sidney Crosby, but you had all of those medals from Canada on the Friday and on the Saturday, which allowed Canada to win the gold rush with a late surge. Yeah. It was like parallel giant slalom, curling one gold. I believe there was a couple out at short track. It was like all of these medals were falling into place and a lot of them gold, which allowed Canada to close quickly and win the gold rush at the home games. To the inbox we go, mm-hmm. Colin in Vancouver, with the first-round pick penalty to the Sens. Do you think there's a world where the NHL assigns a dollar value to the draft pick? Wildly unfair was this. Perhaps Andler was able to negotiate a cash penalty instead of a draft pick and, in effect, set a price for a first-round pick. To push it to the limit, how would you feel about a standardized price per pick in terms of salary retention and trades or even potentially buying additional draft picks? Hmm. Also, if we have a monetary value on draft picks, we know how seriously the NHL takes off-ice incidents, and he references the Blackhawks, but Colin, then they can't make up the rules as they go. I was just going to say, Colin, 
It's by design. It's by it's, design. It's not a bug. It's a feature. I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's the worst idea. I'd be interested in hearing more. I just don't think you'll see it with this commissioner. Basketball Phil, tell me I'm wrong. If the Lions make the Grey Cup, the Sakaris Grey Cup essay has to return. Oh gosh. Oh boy. I'm sorry. What's that tone, Brady? <laughs> I remember working TSN 1050 radio, and I hear this Grey Cup essay come on. It was on with a soundtrack. coast to coast with the national radio. You didn't like the sleigh bells? I don't remember that, but yeah, that was all the bells like and whistles. The, the eh? bad, the music yeah. bad underneath was yeah. always sleigh bells. You know, because you're getting close to Christmas, huh? How about if it's uh, the Lions versus Cody Fajardo in the Montreal? Oh my Alouettes. gosh! Can you imagine? The mea culpa. I may owe him an essay. JC, every struggling team, especially in Canada, is looking at the impact Tockett has had on the Canucks. They can't have Tockett, but they can't have a coach whose philosophies are exactly mm-hmm. aligned with his. Hot take, Jeremy Colton is the Oilers coach by Wednesday. Oh, wow. I, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's a very it's, least It's hot. not a bad hot take. No, you got to yeah. go hot there. I'll give him hot on that. Hot, hot, hot. I know people were talking about what Elliot Freeman had to say on Saturday night. That the Canucks are the Canada's best hope right now, uh, and I know people were upset at Kelly Rudy for you know interrupting and basically saying like still early, and Rudy's right; it is still early. I still have confidence that the Oilers and the Leafs will be pretty good when it's all said and done. But I'll say this: I'm not as confident as I was a week ago. I'm, I think the Leafs will be just fine, but the despite the goaltending, I think like, they might. I, I'm wondering whether the Leafs players are done with Sheldon Keefe. Well, both of those coaches don't have the pedigree, right? So, right, like you know, Sheldon Keefe saying uh, he hated everything about um, nobody going to the rescue of uh, yeah, uh, whoever it was there. And um, Lil Yegren. Lil Yegren after the Marchand play. And uh, mentioning that he told them about it. I I, I do, because I think there was a, I would bet there were some Leafs players who thought Keefe would be gone alongside Dubas. Yeah. We'll see. But, you know, the other thing is, Lots with, with on both seasons. of those player groups, you're going to fire the coach and take, the players off the hook again. I realize you don't have a lot of options available. No, to you just don't. Uh, Austin and Langley, hot take. Within ten years, NHL players will be wearing bubbles on their helmets too, as well as neck guards. Think it ever gets to that point? Mm. I can't imagine it, Austin. Can't imagine it. I don't see the players like in the, the amount of fog inside of them. Mm-hmm. No. Jason from Cloverdale, hot take. Michael Landauer will lead a group of fed-up NHL owners to push Gary Bettman out as NHL commissioner. Well, that is a Herculean task, Jason. You need a super majority for that, if I'm not mistaken. So you need two-thirds of the boards, and you need 25 votes. And the new guy on the block is unlikely to be the ringleader right. for it that. It is very much a caste system yes. at the NHL yes. Board of Governors level, where if you're the new guy, shut up, take notes, we don't want to hear Seem not you. heard, yeah. Well, thank you for your money. Now shut up and let us do the governance. Um, Gary has always padded the executive committee, which is the you know strength of the board, the uh, with loyalists, whether it's Jeremy Jacobs in Boston, the late Harley Hotchkiss in Calgary, and others. But I here's what I would say: it, it is now exceedingly clear 
that Gary is yesterday's man. It is now exceedingly clear that Gary's leadership stops with league governance. And I do think other leagues, take Adam Silver, for example, in the NBA, other leagues, other sports fans, other groups of players are looking for more out of a commissioner's role than just league governance. And, of course, he's vastly unpopular with fans. So I I do wonder whether the seeds of a change in commissionership are there, but I just don't think it will ever be positioned as Gary got pushed out. I think it will be positioned as Gary's a man in his mid-70s who's resigning and handing things over. I'd be more inclined to say it's not from the Andlauer stuff. But if this Blackhawk stuff continues to bear fruit in a poor way, mm-hmm. uh, might it be that that ultimately takes down Gary Bettman? I'm going Luke on the tick. I'll go Luke, too. Ooh, that's cool. On Austin's take about the uh, bubbles, I'm going Luke on that one as well. Uh, let's go to YouTube. A couple cool. of big ones here. Kevin, we really need to give Alvin credit for his additions. But more to Tockett for his coaching mm-hmm. of the team. Tockett's been getting a lot of shine, Kevin, but I want to address the first half of his point. This is after the uh, JPEG hit on Friday. Um, Patrick Oveen, with very little cap space, has made a few additions to the team here in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. And they are all... Just what the doctor ordered. Yeah. You got two stay-at-home defensemen there who have helped, Susie and Cole. No, but I, I, no, I mean, even past that oh, point. The I Lafferty mean, the last and- two... Lafferty, mm-hmm. Friedman... DeSmith. Mm-hmm. Yep. With yep. zero cap space to work with. Right. And they've all been contributors. Right. And that's, of course, on top of the work he got done last year with Ronick, who, I mean, at this stage, the game is indispensable, right? Yeah. I mean, they were such a poor blue line last year that a move like that, controversial as it was, again, robbing the future to pay the present. Uh, does look like it was necessary, at least in terms of the competitiveness of the club. We haven't seen Bluger yet in the regular season. Suter's finally going a little bit mm-hmm. offensively and has helped on the defensive side of the puck as well. So, yeah, uh, as uh, Othavada says, Ian Cole seems to be a good influence on Freeman. I think Ian Cole might be a good influence on any defense partner mm-hmm. he plays with. Uh, Robin says, great to see Besser firing Brockets again. One more weapon for the team. And then at OMFMG, uh, I was called a madman for saying not to move Brock. No, that opinion was out there. The guy has had a back injury, wrist injury, and death to family members all in a couple of years. Any good player is going to have a tough time coming back from that. And I'm really happy for him now. Uh, I think everybody's happy for him now. It doesn't mean that Brock Besser isn't going to be moved because he's rehabilitated himself as an asset. Having a, a scoring winger is great, but they could use one more defenseman and you know, you need you need to spend money to to get that and I mean spend assets. Brock still might be the odd man out, but he may have helped the Canucks big time by rehabilitating himself. Uh this from the Frank Cervelli interview on Friday. M. Smith says Cervelli's on the same wavelength as me. I always look back at the teams that had no talent but deployed a defensive system like the one we're running now. It's the only way they could survive if you had supremely talented players and you could still get them to play like a twenty five year old Rick Tockett with the same heart and grit. And if you can instill that work ethic to your very talented gore, what do you have? You have a Stanley Cup contender. Mind you. They have to continue doing the things that Tockett is preaching for this to become a reality. But if they buy in, 
then we're in for something truly special. That's a bridge too far for me just yet. Stanley Cup contention. It, it is still, I mean, are they more than a two-line team? Yeah, I think you could argue that right now. We'll see how that sustains. Are they more than a one-defense pair team? Yeah, you can argue that through 11 games, but we'll see how that withstands the rigors of the NHL regular season. Um, you know, shots for their 27th in the league, shots against their 20th in the league, so there are still some underlying metrics here, including taking advantage of their grade-A chances and getting saves against the opponent's grade-A chances, which continues to be a storyline here. On Twitter, Amar Doman on shuttling fans via buses from all over the province to watch the Lions. Dan says, our local team owners should learn from Doman. He gets it and tries making it all about the fans. I do wonder what you will see next year with the Whitecaps schedule. I would suspect you're going to get more afternoon starts on the weekend, and I would suspect that they would do well to follow suit and make things as easy as possible for those on the island, those in the interior, to get to the game and back home in the same day so as not to uh, have to spend that hotel night. And if you are spending a hotel night, of course you're doing it here at Wall Street. He was getting – but that interview just got so much praise for Amar Doman. They just mm-hmm. love what he's doing with the uh, with the Lions. Toss the blueberry guy. This guy gets it. I feel it is my duty to support this team even more so than ever. See all at the game. Uh, Strong- Coos missile. Just fed us back. Goat owner. Yeah. No, he has been uh, – He's been extraordinary. Pistol Pete, he grew up a Lions fan as a kid, then stopped falling for years, then started to follow them more since he joined, really taking an active approach to build the team, unite the community, grow the game. He's got all of my respect. I've heard that sentiment from so many people, yep. too. And then uh, a wrap-up comment on the Whitecap season as it comes to an end. Quietly a good season, still some work to do, but fans are starting to notice a team that they can be proud of against is Morbidal. Aaliyah says, way too angry at this game to gather reasonable thoughts right now. Get back to Calm us. Calm down, Aaliyah. Get back to us. You're a great listener. Take care of some price from Wall Center presentation. Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Well, on Mondays we do to the people. So we have gone through our poll question results. Time to get straight to errors and omissions. And I want to shout out listener Joe here. Because, and I'll let the two of you and others decide whether it is an E or an O. Joe tweeted at us and said, Matt keeps saying the JT Miller benching was uh, six minutes. Whereas, as you may remember, uh, Cockett and Miller talked about it as a four-minute benching. Uh, Of course, two of those minutes are spent in the penalty box. So can you be benched while in the penalty box, even if the penalty box is, in fact, a bench? My perception was as soon as he took that high-sticking penalty, that was the final straw for Tockett, and he was going to sit the remainder of the period. Whereas Joe says, you know, you got to give him the... It's a bit of semantics because he didn't play Mm -hmm. for the final 647, but the benching, I guess, technically is only 447. Mm -hmm. 
which is really five minutes. So, well, uh, yeah. And again, I think it's when he took the retaliatory high-sticking penalty that Tockett said, okay, that's that. Yeah. But nevertheless, it's a good shout. Joe called it a technicality. Quite right, Joe. Yeah. Grady, what else we got there? Well, uh, going back to last week, I'm going to start with myself. I spelt the word November wrong on a tweet. Mm. Uh, thank That's you to your One key. of the most phonetic months of, mm-hmm. of all 12. Interesting. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. One on Mr. Sakaris. He, when talking about the partnership with GoGoat, uh, he meant to say 2021. He said 2001. Oh, okay. And then one on Sarah Volley from Friday talking about Kent Johnson's, Port Moody's Kent Johnson's, I might add. Kent Johnson. Uh, he said north of 40 points in his rookie year. He actually had 40 points flat. On the nose. Yeah. Marvelous stuff. Time for our Betway bets of the day. And Blake, Orlando City in MLS play, they were the second best team in the East, they're one way, one win away from beating Nashville and advancing Tuesday, and you get them at a juicy plus three fifty to win in regulation. So I'm going for Orlando City and all that regal purple on my Betway bet of the day. Uh, I'm looking at the Thursday nighter early here, Carolina into uh, Chicago. I hope everybody's really excited. I think we're going to do a thirty minute preview segment on Wednesday's show about. Panthers and Bears. Uh, I don't think you could be less excited about an entire football game um, than this one. Um, and especially considering I'm going on the under, and I'm pretty confident on it, oh. at 195. On your Betway bets of the day, please play responsibly. Must be 19 plus to play. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to subscribe to us and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcast. Follow on social media. That's Twitter, Insta, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.